This morning's reading is taken from Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 to 8. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the same name of Jesus every knee shall bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father." Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and arguing, so that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation in which you shine like stars in the world. It is by your holding fast to the word of life that I can boast on the day of Christ that I did not run in vain or labour in vain, but even if I am being poured out as a libation over the sacrifice and the offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. And in the same way, also must be glad and rejoice with me. You also must be glad and rejoice in me. Here ends the reading. Thanks be to God. All right. So we're looking at Philippians. If you've got a Bible, I'd love you to open up to... Uh, Philippians, and if you could turn my mic down a tiny bit, I can hear a little bit of a ring that would be really useful for everyone's ears, or maybe just me because I get distracted if I hear ringing. So we're on page 954, looking at Philippians 2, verses 1 to 18. Uh, we're continuing our series as we look at how Paul is encouraging the church to be Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse 1, page 954. So we're looking at how Paul is encouraging the church to be the church and equipping them uh, with encouragement to, to live that out authentically in a world that's not like them. And so Philippians 2 speaks about that to us, and we particularly see uh, how Paul integrates an understanding about humility for how Life as a church can go well together. I wonder, as we meet here this morning, who's quite a humble person? Oh, no one's brave enough to put up their hand. See, 
that's where we, we go wrong because actually, like our society's point of view of humility is that you're self-deprecating. So you put yourself down all the time. You say bad things about yourself. Oh, I'm not really good at that. I'm, I'm not the best singer. And you hear them open their mouth and they sound like an angel. <laughs> uh, the society that we live in says humility looks like putting yourself down and lifting other people up. But that's not actually humility at all. The society we live in says don't talk about what you're good at. That's, that's not humility. Humility is actually having an accurate view of yourself. And so if you're a pretty humble person, it's okay to say, I'm, I'm actually humble generally in life. I don't go around uh, boasting, propping myself up in front of other people. I'm actually generally humble. Let, let's try that again. We would say they're humble. Yeah, good, good. Start owning who you are. That, that's what I want you to do. Start owning who you are. Have a view of yourself as God sees you. Not as how others see you. Uh, not necessarily the diminished view of yourself of how you see you. But have a view of yourself how others see you. That's what true humility is about. Maybe a comparison uh, would, would help you. Uh, the humble person is a servant. Whereas the person that lacks humility is generally a judge. So are you a servant or are you a judge? A, a servant uh, doesn't need to uh, promote themselves or to promote their skills. They, they use it to serve others. The, the judge looks down and, and compares. So uh, the humility is not found in comparison where we say, I'm better than this, you're better than that. Do you find yourself interacting in the way of a, of a servant? You're willing to use what you have to serve others? That's, that's humility. Or do you use what you have to, to serve yourself and, and judge other people? That's uh, the position of judgment. So in Philippians 2, uh, Paul uh, points us to a way of working together in which we can be most fruitful. At the end of Philippians uh, 1, he said, live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel, so that whether I come and see you or am absent and hear about you, I will know that you are standing firm in one spirit, striving side by side with one mind for the faith of the gospel. So in order to be able to do this, uh, to be in one spirit, strive side by side, to have one mind for the faith of the gospel, this requires a degree of humility. It requires us to be able to uh, see the people beside us, to see what they're good at, their, their strengths, to know our strengths, and then to be side by side. The image of side by side that we're given by Paul is this image of a line of soldiers locking their shields. And when all are locked well together, standing firmly, one is able to support the other, and they, they have a strong barrier together. One of, one of the barriers that we enjoy is the barrier of truth. And so Paul uh, begins this passage, chapter 2, grounding them in a truth that, that was theirs already. So when we see in verses 6 to 11 that he uh, recounts some truth about Jesus, this is likely an early creed or an early song that they sang to remind them of the truth of who Jesus was. And these creeds are a way of uh, agreement where you can say this is 
what we believe and this is what we stand on and when we do this together. Uh, we have modern day versions of this. They, they used to do all this from memory. Uh, can anyone remember a creed off by heart? I, I would love to be able to do it. It's maybe a good investment of time. Maybe it's not, but they remembered their creeds off by heart. And they stuck firm to the truth together. Because they lived in a world that was giving them lots of different truths from, from different directions. And so they needed to trust the Word of God and to trust their understanding of it in a way that sustained them together. Let's uh, look down at the passage that we have. And so Paul, at the start of Philippians, he, he says, Make my joy complete, verse 2, by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves, let each of you look to, not to your own interests, but the interests of others, and let the same mind be in you as that was in Christ Jesus. And so when, when Paul is encouraging this oneness uh, for the church, he points them to Jesus as the example of what it looks like for a powerful person to live out humility on this earth. Jesus as the Son of God. The one who held or holds creation in his hand. The one who created in the beginning was the one that came as a, as a baby. This picture of humility. And so in verses 6 to 7 we have his incarnation spoken about. Who though he was in the form of God did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited. So as God the Son, he, he didn't regard uh, his position as something that he needed to exploit. What, what does to exploit mean? It means we use our gifts or our power in order to serve ourselves. See, no, that's not humility uh, in that picture. We're, when we use our gifts or our power to serve ourselves, that's not humility. But he emptied himself, uh, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness and being found in human form. So, so what did Jesus do? He, he didn't uh, have his deity removed. He didn't come as just a person. But he chose not to use uh, all that he had in his hand when he came and took on flesh and lived on this earth. He emptied himself, taking the form of a slave. Uh, in the world that Philippians uh, was spoken into, they didn't have any trouble believing that a god could take on a human form. Uh, one, one of their, their, their gods would come and they would take on a human form and they'd use that power to get what they wanted on the earth. But for Jesus to come in the form of a slave or a servant being born in human likeness, that wasn't how other gods operated. And so Jesus comes as a very different God uh, to a people that had experienced gods that just exploited, that used their power to serve themselves and their own agenda. Instead, he, he came, took on flesh as a babe, but lived the sinless life, chose not to use what he had to serve himself. And, and 
that's the root of sin, isn't it? Like when we're self-seeking, serving ourselves. And so then it moves on to his humiliation. So his death on the cross, being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Jesus chose the way of the cross for us. He, he chose to die on the cross for our sins for us. He chose not to exploit his power. He chose humility to serve us. And so when we look at Jesus and his life, he served other people with his miracles, his power to bring healing, to bring wholeness, to bring redemption, to bring inclusion to the outcast, to bring restoration where it was needed. Jesus used his gifts to serve the other. And when he was given this opportunity, even on the cross, to demonstrate his power, you up there on the cross, show us who you are and come down from the cross, he chose not to use it because he knew in setting aside what he had in his hand, he could make a way for us to know the God who created us. And so he chose the path of humility as a service to us. And so verse 9, we see his exaltation spoken of. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name so that the name of Jesus every knee shall bend in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. He chose to humble himself as a servant. God lifted up and exalted him as the King of kings. Uh, Jesus bowed himself to death on the cross. Now every knee will bow to him. There will come a day where, where Jesus returns. Uh, he came, and when he came, it, it, he said, I came to save the world, not to judge the world. But there will be a time where he comes to judge the world. Well, why is Jesus able to judge? Why, why is he able to bring judgment when uh, we probably shouldn't? Because Jesus can see what is on every human heart. He can see the hidden circumstances. He knows the whole story. When we bring judgment, we often don't know the whole story. <laughs> uh, we, we often judge based on face value. But Jesus will come again to, to judge. And in that time of judgment, he'll judge everyone for what they've done in this life and whether they've turned to him or not. And, and that judgment will be just and it will be true. And at that point, whether people believe in Jesus or whether people don't believe in Jesus, every knee will acknowledge him. For who he is because they will see him for who he is so every knee one day will bow before jesus uh, christ as lord and so we're given this picture of jesus humility someone having great power knowing your power but not needing to show your power that's what humility looks like knowing what you're good at but not needing to prove it to other people oh you know i'm really good at this i'm really good. no we, we don't actually need to do that because like Jesus, we can let our work speak for ourselves. And so Paul speaks a little bit about how it looks to let your work speak for yourself. Who you are, speak for yourself. He says, shine like a star. 
shine like a star, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, do all things without murmuring or arguing. Uh, We're not humble generally when we're arguing, murmuring or or grumbling because we're we're saying, oh, this this is what I want and I'm not getting it, so I'm unhappy. And so humility is not found in murmuring or grumbling. So do it without memory or grumbling that you would shine like a star in this world. I wonder who feels like shining like a star. If, if I said to you, Ian, I want you to shine like a star in this world. <laughs> What's your initial reaction? <laughs> no, thanks. Can't you find someone else? Uh, Kay, I want you to shine like a star in this world. What's your response? Oh, what does that mean? What do I do? I'm not really, I'm only good at this, or I'm not really good at that. Or we, we, we struggle to understand what it means for us to shine like a star. Uh, because we're, we're taught, in many ways, this is an Australian thing, to not uh, be proud of what we're good at. But it's not uh, wrong to be proud of what you are gifted by God to do on this earth. But yeah, we're taught to do that, right? To, to be falsely humble. I'm not really that good. And then the person does what they do well and you go, wow, I could never do that. <laughs> and in that moment, you recognize that that person has begun to shine. Actually, God's purpose for all of us is to shine like a star where we're at. That is to find what he has gifted us for and to do that well in order to serve others. I wonder if you know it. I wonder if you have clarity. What is it, what God has gifted you for? And God has not just gifted you to shine on a Sunday. God has gifted you to shine in the world. That means in your circumstances, in school, in study, in work, in family, you're called to shine like a star. As we gather together, we're called to shine together. There will be this bright brilliance predicted from us. I wonder, do you know what you're good at, what God has called you to do. See, God wants us together to discover what we're good at so that we can help each other to shine. Part of the uh, being of one mind is recognizing that we have purpose outside of ourselves so that we encourage others up so that we can fulfill it together. That we see that there's purpose beyond this building so that we can encourage others up to shine together. What does it look like for you to shine as God's person? Now, a number of years back, I uh, really felt that this verse was a verse that God was giving to me. And uh, it was in a difficult circumstance. The the church uh, was in a a difficult place, having gone through a a recent uh, struggle. And half the people having uh, left that particular church, and, and God said to me, I want you to shine like a star. And my response was, can't you pick someone else? N- no. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm not happy to be that or 
say that or do that. If God put his finger on you and said, I want you to shine like a star in a place where you didn't feel comfortable, would you say yes? God took me on this journey of healing where where I began to understand how he saw me, where he began to heal the wounds of how others had spoken over me. And I begin to be able to own who I was. As you begin to own who you are, you're able to be who you are and actually shine like a star. But when you struggle to own who you are, you're going to continually struggle uh, for the need to prove yourself in front of others and to feel inadequate. But when you know how he sees you, how God sees you, there's no struggle. There's nothing to prove. There's nothing to step up into because you know who, who you are already. And that's where God wants all of us to be. That's part of the journey that, uh, with me leading you that God will take each of you on. Discovering who he's called you to be and then shining in that place, thriving as God's human being. That's part of the journey that God wants our church to take in terms of we, we don't shine in here, we, we shine out there and we look for opportunity. Last year, last January, I, I cleared out a whole bunch of files that have been sitting in my office forever. And one of those files was communications uh, externally from the church. I looked through the file. It was probably one of the most discouraging reads of, of uh, many years for me. As, as I looked, the, the communications, and it may just have been the official communications, but the official communications that are being given out to the schools uh, nearby, the community nearby, was uh, we noticed that you had a power cable running over our fence and plugged into our external PowerPoint when you had your face at the school. Uh, why, why did you use that? Uh, why have you not financially <laughs> reimbursed us for that use, etc., etc.? Uh, we've noticed that there's people parking in our car parks. Uh, why are you parking in our car parks? You don't have permission to park in our car parks. Communications like that. Now, they're not necessarily untrue things, right? They're, they're true things. You probably shouldn't use your electricity, <laughs> someone else's electricity, without asking. You probably should park where you're meant to park. But to me, reading that file didn't look like us shining like a star. And so what would the path of Jesus look like? I think the path of Jesus looks like us taking the path of a servant, taking the path of humility, and it's uncomfortable. But the path of humility is the path where we eventually get lifted up in God's time to shine like a star, where he, through our service, creates a platform for his truth. That as we hold firm in serving, as we hold firm to his word, as we hold firm to what we believe and do it faithfully with a heart of humility together, he in his time lifts us up and puts us places in order to be his light in the world. He puts us places to be his light in the world. And so true humility is about having an accurate understanding of yourself. How does God see me? And when you know how he sees you, you know what you're called to do. And when you know what you're called to do 
and know that he's empowered you to do it, you'll do it and you'll be wildly successful about it. And you can look back and celebrate it as something that you've done in order to be able to shine brightly before others. And so that's my encouragement to you this morning, that take the path of humility in order that God in his time would lift you up. Call out the greatness of others that you can help them discover who God has called them to be. And together, we'll be able to say, we've got this. We, as God's church, together, I don't have all the gifts, you don't have all the gifts, but together, we've got this. And as we shine like stars in this world, we will see God move and change in ways that we haven't expected. So whether you're young or old, uh, whether you think you've got lots of gifts or not many, I think God wants to take you on a journey of discovery where you'll see him do things that are far more than you can think of or imagine yourself.